This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. Welcome to On the Cover, a weekly feature of the Mad Splainers podcast. I'm city and county government reporter Abby Becker. I'm also the co-host of the Mad Splainers, along with Natalie Yar, the Cap Times podcast producer. Each week, Natalie interviews one of the Cap Times reporters about their latest cover story and why it's important. But this week, I'm asking Natalie the questions. Welcome, Natalie. Thanks, Abby. So this week, you wrote about bail jumping and how it has become Wisconsin's most charged crime. Let's start with the basics. What even is bail jumping? So when we think of bail jumping, a lot of us probably imagine someone skipping town to avoid having to face their day in court and the potential punishment that might go with it. And yes, not showing up for court-ordered appointments is definitely one of the ways that people get bail jumping charges in Wisconsin. But Wisconsin is also one of eight states where a person can get criminal bail jumping charges for violations that don't have anything to do with showing up for court appointments. So what would be an example of this? So when a person's released before trial, it's often on a bond that comes with certain conditions. The judge might order, for example, that as a condition of their release, a person not drink. Maybe the crime the person is charged with committing was something that they allegedly did while they were drinking. Or the judge might order them to stay off drugs uh, and take regular drug tests or to stay away from their alleged victim or co-defendant. These are some common conditions. By my understanding, prosecutors can request virtually any condition that they believe will prevent witness intimidation and prevent, quote, serious bodily harm to the community. This is according to Wisconsin state law. If the defendant violates any of these conditions, they can be subject to bail jumping charges. And the type of charge they receive depends on the underlying charge that they received initially. So if they were out on bail for a misdemeanor, any charges of bail jumping they receive will count as misdemeanor bail jumping punishable by up to nine months in jail. But if they were out on a felony, then each individual count of bail jumping they receive is a felony bail jumping punishable by up to six years in prison. So how easy or common is it for a person to receive bail jumping charges? Yeah. So some of what we know about this is anecdotal. If you ask defense attorneys, they'll describe these charges as extremely common. One source I interviewed said he racked up about nine of these charges while his court case for drug charges was pending. And he said nearly everyone he met in jail had gotten bail jumping charges, too. In some cases, defendants rack up several of these charges and end up facing more potential jail time for the bail jumping charges than for the original charges. To be clear, prosecutors can and often do offer to drop some or all of the bail jumping charges, but they can use that offer to pressure defendants to plead to the other charges because sometimes it's a lot easier to prove that the person committed bail jumping than to prove the original underlying charge. How much does this happen in Wisconsin? You know, what uh, what data, you know, can show us these trends? So for quite a while, the data was pretty limited, and we still don't know everything we might like to know. The statewide court's office doesn't generate reports on the number of charges issued, 
uh, they track the number of cases, but there are various reasons why that's just a less useful measure if you're trying to see how bail jumping is being charged in the state. So some of the best recent data we have is from 2016, because Amy Johnson, who was then a UW law student, did this really extensive analysis of bail jumping charges filed in Wisconsin in 2000 and in 2016. Uh, Johnson had spent about 30 years working in the information technology field before going to law school. So she was able to conduct this analysis in a way lots of others couldn't, even though lots of defense attorneys had been wondering about this and kind of seeing what they thought was a, a spike in mail jumping charges. So Johnson found that in 2016 in Wisconsin, more than 15,000 misdemeanor bail jumping charges were filed and more than 11,000 felony bail jumping charges were filed. Uh, it's more than 27,000 in total. And it makes bail jumping, in, according to that data, the state's most commonly charged crime. By comparison, in the year 2000, uh, according to her analysis, prosecutors across the state filed just over 8,000 misdemeanor bail jumping charges and just over 3,000 felony bail jumping charges. So those numbers have shot up over time, despite the fact that numbers for most of the other most common charges in the state have dropped. We don't have numbers for more recent years, uh, but we do know that the number of cases has continued to increase. And so there's good reason to think this would still be Wisconsin's top charge. So what Amy really did was kind of provide the data to back up these anecdotal experiences that many were seeing and, and sharing in the state. Absolutely. One of her professors, Michelle Levine, had told me that like for years you just knew it in your gut as a defense attorney. You knew that bail jumping was being used more and more, but didn't have the data to back it up. And she said, all that I knew was what I got driving around the state in my Subaru to different public defenders' offices. And when Amy Johnson came along and did this study, it kind of provided the data to back up what these defense attorneys had been seeing. So is there an explanation for this surge? You know, do we know why this is happening? I think that that is a key question. It is the key question in my story, and it's not a simple one to answer. It's pretty clear, you know, from the data that these charges have gotten more frequent, but there are just so many possible explanations, so many possible factors that have changed in that time that it's a little hard to point to one thing and say this is why. One thing is we know that these charges can give prosecutors more leverage in negotiating plea deals um, if the person would be facing a whole lot more jail time or prison time because of all these bail jumping charges, they're a lot more willing to um, plea. So we know that there's this leverage question. But of course, that's that's always been the case for as long as you know the bail statutes have existed and the bail jumping charges have existed. What might have changed or one factor that has changed is that there was a Wisconsin State Supreme Court case in 1998 that said that it was permissible for prosecutors to file multiple bail jumping charges against a person as long as they had violated multiple conditions of their bond. So rather than just you are guilty of bail jumping because you violated conditions of your bond, you are guilty of multiple counts of bail jumping because you violated multiple conditions. Uh, when I spoke to UW law professor Michelle Levine, she said that she thinks this could easily have kind of paved the way for prosecutors to be filing more and more of these charges. Multiple sources I talked to also pointed to an increase in the number of conditions that courts are setting for defendants. If there are more conditions, there are inherently more ways for a defendant to violate the conditions and end up with more bail jumping charges. Another factor 
UW Law Professor Cecilia Klingel told me courts have more tools now, like remote alcohol monitors and GPS devices, so they might learn about violations that otherwise, you know, might have gone unnoticed. A couple more interesting explanations. Um, District Attorney Wade Newell of Chippewa County told me he thinks that nowadays people just don't follow rules like they used to. When a judge told you to do something 20 years ago, you listened to him and you didn't do it because you didn't want to get any more trouble. I think now there's less personal responsibility, so there's more people doing what they want to do as opposed to what they're told to do. But to me, one of the most interesting possible explanations was from another district attorney, uh, John Chisholm of Milwaukee County. And Chisholm told me about these workload reports that district attorney's offices across the state have to submit to the Department of Administration to show how much work they're doing. So it sounds like boring bureaucracy, but Chisholm thinks it might be kind of at the heart of this issue, of this spike. He says that the reports require their offices to list how many of kind of different categories of charges they're filing, like how many felony and misdemeanor charges they filed, and that they get credit in a set number of attorney hours for each kind of category of thing. And he told me that these offices are just really often overworked and looking for more staff to help get the work done, looking for more attorneys to help bring these charges. So they've got a big incentive to record more charges, to say, look how busy we are, we need more staff. And so on those reports, what he said is, The felony bail jumping charge, for example, counts the same kind of way as any other felony, even if filing the bail jumping charge tends to be a much easier process, a much faster process than filing charges for other felonies. So he told me that he thinks this formula is just a really bad idea, that it's giving the wrong incentive and that it's making bail jumping charges kind of a survival mechanism in some counties for some prosecutors. Yeah, so it sounds like there's a lot of factors involved here from these like administrative side of things to that change, you know, in in law uh, about these kinds of charges to then personal motivation kind of, you know, factors. So it's it's hard I imagine then to pinpoint the actual reason, but I mean, you know, I think we could assume that all of these things are, you know, kind of um, coalescing and leading potentially to this surge in bail jumping charges in the state. Yeah, to me it was fascinating because I I don't think that there's one single person out there who knows the answer, you know? Like, I think there's so many moving parts to this that even with all of the different people I spoke to, most of them didn't seem to think like, oh, here's just the one thing that made it happen or felt confident. You know, some of them pointed to, here's what I think is a big factor, but I'm going to guess that there are just so many moving pieces that maybe even any one given player who might be key in the system doesn't necessarily inherently understand why things are changing the way that they are. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. So a surge in these charges has been identified in the state. Uh, there are many factors people are talking about that could be leading to this. Um, I'm curious if the people you talk to, if they said that, you know, what is going on is a problem. And then for those who th- think that it might be a problem, you know, do, do they offer any solutions for, for this phenomenon? Yeah. So one thing I'd like to know, one more piece of data I'd like to call up is Amy Johnson's study also showed that these charges, these bail jumping charges, are being dismissed at a higher rate now 
than they were, for example, in the year 2000. They've steadily been climbing and that in some counties in Wisconsin, they're being dismissed at a rate of 90 percent. So what that says is that prosecutors are bringing these charges, but then for one reason or another are not in the end going through with them. And I think that that's a really important factor for us to to know about as we think about whether this is a problem or not. To me, at first glance, the fact that the most common charge in our state right now is one that most of us don't really know about, that if you asked most of us what is bail jumping, we might not have been able to tell you exactly what it is. To me, that's inherently interesting and that raises some questions. Um, And then the fact that our most common charge is being dismissed at such a high rate. I believe the average across the state was around 60 to 70 percent of these charges were being dismissed. I think that also raises some questions or should raise some questions about whether these charges are worthwhile in like both, you know, the court's time and the prosecutor's time to bring them um, and also in what happens to defendants as they still end up receiving these charges um, and dealing with the charges, even if they're sometimes later dismissed. But turning to my sources, you'll see this whole range of opinions. So uh, some prosecutors will certainly say that bail conditions and bail jumping charges are these key tools for keeping the community safe. And they'll, they might say that the spike is about defendants just not doing what they're supposed to do. But on the other hand, I've heard from a lot of different folks who say bail jumping charges are being abused and are negatively affecting defendants. Several defense attorneys told me they think the courts should just set fewer conditions uh, for defendants, um, especially, you know, in the case of, you know, rather low-risk defendants and especially regarding conditions that can be kind of hard to meet. Zach Wisniewski, uh, the young man I interviewed who'd racked up a number of bail jumping charges a couple years ago, told me he'd like to see more supportive services for defendants. Uh, He thinks if he'd gotten more help with housing and drug treatment and transportation when he was awaiting court, uh, that he might not have racked up so many of those bail jumping charges. I mean, like I get it, I'm an adult, like, but they didn't look at my mental health. They didn't look at my addiction and look at it like maybe he's not a full adult. You know, maybe he needs these help. And I think that's what we need is we need to look at each mm-hmm. case as like we're dealing with someone who doesn't have the ability to process like their own decision making, especially if they're if they're on drugs, like they can't make the right decisions. Another person I talked to, former Wisconsin Court of Appeals judge Paul Higginbotham, he told me he thinks in a lot of cases courts just should use other tools at their disposal instead of pressing new charges. That can be things like making people forfeit the money that they put down for their bail or saying they can't get out again unless they pay money or considering you know these violations when they are being sentenced, things like that. And then La Crosse County Circuit Court Judge Elliot Levine told me he thinks maybe we should just consider doing away with bail jumping charges altogether. Are we seeing Wisconsin state legislators doing anything about this issue? Yes, we are. So in December, State Representative David Crowley and State Senator Latanya Williams introduced legislation that would make multiple changes on this front. It would narrow the definition of bail jumping, it would cap the number of bail jumping charges in a given case, and it would reduce the penalties. It would also make all bail jumping charges misdemeanors instead of felonies. That bill has one Republican sponsor, Representative Shea Sortwell. 
But there's also other bail jumping legislation moving in a different direction. Earlier this month, the Assembly passed a bill that would prevent courts from releasing a defendant who's been charged with bail jumping for failure to appear unless that defendant pays money bail. What developments can we expect on this topic? So I'll be watching both of those bills, which now both have parallel legislation in the state Senate. Crowley and Sortwell's bill is still waiting in committee, and Sortwell, who's a Republican, told me he was hoping that the Wisconsin legislators might follow the national trend of seeing criminal justice, quote-unquote, reform as a bipartisan issue. But he's wondering whether that's possible in this divided government um, where many legislators, including you know Republicans from his own party, don't want to give a, quote-unquote, win to the other party. The other thing I'm going to be watching for um, is that there's clearly a move both here in Wisconsin and across the country to reconsider the use of cash bail and look for ways to release more people before trial. So I'll be watching for whether mention of bail jumping charges starts to make it into those discussions. I think it's just an important factor to be considering because the additional charges have real consequences for defendants. And this issue doesn't change just because we take money out of the equation. So I'll be watching to see if that starts getting a little more traction in those debates. Is there anything else that you think would be good for readers or listeners of the Cap Times to know about this or to know about your experience reporting this story? I, I would just say that to me, this this story was fascinating. Um, this was something I did not know anything about before. And it was so interesting to talk to a variety of players in this system and Honestly, I sort of – it felt – I got to feel a little bit like a detective, just like trying to look for the answers to something that it really felt like no one in the system knew the exact answer to. And I still don't feel like I know the exact answer to it, but I feel like I know a lot more about it. And it was also really cool to kind of be looking for the answers to like whether this is a problem or not a problem and like what should we be doing? Like – these are, these are really big questions, and I felt like I at least scratched the surface. Definitely. You heard it here first. Natalie Yar is a detective. Thanks for listening, everyone, to my conversation with Natalie Yar, Cap Times reporter and podcast producer. Be sure to check out the Cap Times' other podcasts, including The Corner Table, which is all about food and dining in Madison. Also, Wedge Issues, which is about state politics. Until next time, thanks for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.